0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt paulie
1: and we do welcome you into episode number three of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt paulie i'll be with you uh for uh this program and i'm with you uh every week as we talk all things milwaukee brewers baseball today's program the first edition since uh, spring training officially got underway. Pitchers and catchers reported this past Tuesday they had their first workout on uh, Wednesday, and then the uh, full squad reported on Friday with their first workout uh, on Saturday. They've been dealing with rain and with some weather down there, which is uh, not totally normal in the Cactus League. You see that uh, in the Grapefruit League. But for teams that train in Arizona, generally they have pretty good weather. But uh, the weather has not been perfect so far. But uh, in all likelihood, that is going to clear up. We've got a big program today. The Social Media Roundtable this week is going to feature uh, the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. That is uh, Kyle Lesneski. He will join us coming up here in uh, just a little while. And then also uh, a fun conversation coming up with uh, Greg Young. And if that's not a familiar name for you, it might be as we move forward because uh, Greg is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats. They are uh, going into their first season as the high-A affiliate of the Brewers and it looks as if this is going to be a long-term affiliation. There's been a lot of rumors out there that the Brewers are attempting to buy this ball club and have ownership in the club and keep their uh, keep their team there in Carolina uh, for for a long-term basis. So we'll get Greg's take on that and uh, a number of other things. Try to get to know the ballpark. What's it going to be like for uh, for the prospects who are playing there in Carolina? What's their experience going to be like? And also. Who he's expecting and looking forward to being able to uh, to join the club. So that's all coming up here on the program. We'll give you our headlines of the week in uh, just a moment or so. But uh, the before when before the team has their first full squad workout every year, uh, the the big wigs addressed the team. Uh, Craig Counsel, obviously, general manager David Stearns, and also owner Mark Atanasio. and uh, he did that. And then he talked to the media about what he said. And his quote was, for the first time in 13 years, I may have dropped an F-bomb. Don't F it up, unquote. I find this to be very interesting. And I find it to be interesting in the, w- when you compare that comment to comments he made really just a month ago or so at the, uh, at the Brewers on Deck event. Because he feels like this is the year for this team where they're really going to get a sense of where this team is going to be at. In fact, I'll read this quote. Uh, It's from the piece at uh, Brewers.com that Adam McAlvey wrote. Uh, He said, quote, This year will be the year that informs us the most about where we really are. We have not only David and Craig with a year under their belts, we have an entire coaching staff with another year under the belts, and a number of players who had real success and a couple other players who maybe took a step back who had previous success. This year will inform us as to where we are on the timeline for competing. This team will tell us where we are and where we're going rather than me dictating it, unquote. You read between the lines on that, and you start to sense that he thinks this can be a pretty good team. Are they all the way done with their rebuild obviously no there's there's still you know everybody's talking about the high level talent that is going to um that's that's making its way up from the minor league system but you you get the sense that he has higher expectations for this team than maybe other people have had. And that's a good thing. I like an owner who has high expectations. But when he goes out there and he says, quote, don't F it up, unquote, to his team, you know, part of that is this is an opportunity for you to be a part of something moving forward, and that's beyond just this year. But the, the other part of it is is being part of something this year and being able to, to do something with that. So the reason I, I find that interesting compared to what he said at Brewers on Deck is because he, he basically said he doesn't judge this team on wins and losses. He, he wants to be able to judge them on wins and losses. That's where they want to get to, but he hasn't been. And I feel like this is a little bit different because when you're when you're looking at every player who's going to be on your roster this upcoming year and you're sitting there and saying, don't F it up, to me that's a guy who has expectations and all of a sudden wins and losses do matter
0: to the owner it doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter there's always news about the brewers let's look back at the week that was with matt's headlines of the week
1: spring training being underway is obviously one of the big headlines of the week that is the biggest headline of the week as uh things are getting going and There really hasn't been enough time quite yet for there to be major headlines, and you know, a lot of times if there's a big headline at this time of the year, one of two things has happened. Either you've acquired somebody or there's an injury, and uh, hopefully if that happens going forward, it's more about acquisitions than it is about uh, any type of injury. One note this past week, and you know, this is very anticlimactic. This is something that just about everybody knew, but uh, Craig Council did confirm that Jonathan VR is moving to second base, and Again, it was something that we all knew. It was something we were all talking about like it had been made official. But technically, it was not official until this past week. Here's the, uh, here's the thing I really enjoy about uh, what's come out of this. When Jonathan VR was asked about um, moving, to, uh, moving to second, uh, he told MLB and Brewers.com, quote, it's the same like shortstop. You see the catcher signs. You can move based off who's hitting. He went on to say when talking about the uh, comparing third base to playing up the middle. Sometimes the shortstop can tell me when the pitcher throws a breaking ball or something like that, but with the but with the people in the stadium, I can't hear. So it's better when you play second base and we can see the signs. Unquote. And you can check out brewers dot com if you want to for uh, for the entire story about this. It's a it, it's a good article. And the, the reason I, I find this notable is I really appreciate the fact that you know he. He positions himself, and he gets ready for each pitch based off the pitch that's being thrown. And he was a shortstop. He went to third, struggled at third, made a lot of errors at third. Now he's going to move to second. And up the middle, you can look into the catcher, and you can see what kind of pitch is about to be thrown. And if you know what kind of pitch is going to be thrown, you have a better idea of what the hitter might do with it. And I just, I really appreciate that about Jonathan VR. They talk, you know, there's a very cognitive aspect to playing up the middle for him, so much so that he's paying attention to what pitch is about to be thrown, what kind of pitch, and uh, positions himself and, and readies himself for each and every single one. We talk so much about how the Brewers, you know, shift. And generally, they shift based off uh, who they're facing as a hitter occasionally they'll shift when, uh, when two strikes are on a hitter, but it's not a, it's not a pitch-by-pitch sort of thing. And Jonathan VR has made it a pitch-by-pitch sort of thing, and uh, I do think that's pretty cool. The other move of the week, and look, this is a really small one. It's not going to affect the big league team at the beginning at least because he's not even going to be part of big league camp. Uh, but the Brewers did sign uh, infielder Nick Noonan to a minor league deal. I think they've been looking for some depth up the middle, on the infield. You know, they had Ari Andrianza who they had claimed off waivers, and then they needed that spot on the 40-man roster uh, when they went out um, and got Aguilar. So when they did that, they had to end up designating Andreanza for assignment with the hope that he would clear waivers and accept an assignment to AAA because they wanted that added depth up the middle, even if a guy's not on the 40-man roster. Adrianza ended up being picked up by uh, another team, so uh, I would suspect that since that happened, they'd been looking for more depth up the middle. Noonan has okay big league time. He's a great security blanket to have a triple A. He's not going to embarrass himself if he gets, um, if he gets to, uh, comes up to the big league level. But just a good guy to have. Probably, probably something that's not going to play out during spring training. Uh, you know, occasionally guys get called up to, uh, play in big league games, but you, you don't, you don't get the sense that in spring training he's going to get an opportunity at the big league level. But if, uh, if Orlando Arcia does not do well at the plate from a hitting standpoint, if something else goes wrong, to have a guy like Nick Noon at the minor league level, uh, that's a that's a really good thing to have for to have a guy like that who's had who has some big league experience and won't embarrass himself playing uh, shortstop or second at the major league level.
0: After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now.
1: Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast does continue on as we are powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is indeed time for a Social Media Roundtable, where each week we uh, welcome in uh, a different uh, podcaster or blogger from around uh, the web who covers the Brewers on an everyday basis. I'm very happy. Uh, for the first time uh, on this program, we're going to bring in the uh, managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. It is uh, Kyle Lesnesky. Kyle, appreciate you taking a moment. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing okay. I want to start with you on something that you recently wrote. And look, the the position that there's the most question about for the Brewers right now is behind the plate. And uh, you had a piece recently, and, and you made the point, you were spot on in saying, and I'm included in this, everybody's talking about uh, Andrew Susak. people are talking about Jet Bandy, but very few people are talking about Manny Pena. And he was somewhat impressive when he came up at the end of last season. And uh, your piece kind of argues that maybe he's got the, uh, the chance to be uh, the most successful of those three. Do you... Uh, can you Do you stand by that? I mean, is he the guy that you think might uh, walk out of there with that starting catching job this year?
2: Well, just kind of given the nature of his of the whole roster situation, the fact that he doesn't have any major or minor league options remaining kind of lends to the fact he's probably got a pretty solid chance of at least making the team on the spring training. Um, and with that, with an inexperienced duel behind the plate, there's going to be a chance for plate appearances to be up up for grabs. And, uh, you know, Manny Pena is somebody who's been around a long time in the minor leagues. Um, got a pretty strong defensive reputation, although the numbers don't necessarily back that up over the last couple of seasons, but, um, he's really experienced a later career offensive breakout at AAA the last couple of years. And, um, when you look at the evolution of his swing, Um, you can really see some of the positive changes that he's made. And um, he kind of credits that with the work that he did with uh, the Tigers AAA hitting coach, uh, Leon, Leon Durham, the last couple of years. Um, And he really just kind of remade his whole game offensively. And, you know, there's going to be a chance for plate appearances to be up for grabs. He showed the best of, Um, you know, the late season call-ups last season, uh, there was, you know, probably a pretty good reason he got the first shot, um, before Andrew Susak was called up. Um, he had roughly league average hitting, uh, over the last couple months of the season. And, you know, he's a guy who definitely has a shot to get a solid amount of plate appearances. And if he can make the most of them, you know, then. He couldn't see the majority of the starts behind the plate this
1: season. Something that I really enjoyed the most out of your uh, your piece was uh, you put together three separate video clips. Uh, the first when he was with the Royals in 2010. Then there was a clip when he was uh, with the Mariners organization, and then a clip uh, from last year with the uh, with the Brewers. And it kind of showed the progression of how his uh, how his swing has changed throughout uh, throughout the years can you describe a little bit about what you've seen from him and what that those videos showed in terms of what he's been able to change moving forward
2: um he he just seems to have picked up his bat speed considerably from the time he was you know in the lower minors and you know working at a more of like a 650ish ops pace um over the last couple of years he's put up plus 800 is at AAA and his, his bat speed looks a lot better he's been hitting a significant amount more of line drives rather than ground balls which is going to lend to you know a better chance for for getting actual hits for a guy who maybe doesn't necessarily have the best speed um, and I mean it's it's shown in his numbers you know he's hit over 300 the last couple of years at AAA he's been putting up decent on base percentages uh, hitting a lot of doubles 40 doubles in his last 550 plate appearances so you know this is a guy who's shown that he can handle the pitching at the top level of the minors and he like i said before you know he he showed pretty well in his uh about 100 plate appearances at the end of last season so you know he's, he's somebody who definitely might might be able to put up the best offensive numbers of the three It just depends on how well he's going to be able to handle the pitching staff behind the plate.
1: One move really made this week, and it's not, at least for the time being, it's not going to affect the Major League roster, but uh, David Stearns goes out and and signs infielder Nick Noonan. They had Ari Andreanza at one point. They they claimed him off waivers and then tried to pass him back through to uh, keep him in the organization, and that didn't work out. Is... uh, is this just a case of, of David Stearns really wanting to have as much middle infield depth as he possibly can in the organization?
2: Yeah. Um, Noonan didn't receive an invite to major league spring training, so he's not going to be competing for a spot in camp or anything. He's just somebody who's probably going to, um, join Yvonne Jesus down in AAA and maybe Yadiel Rivera, um, down in that mix. Um, you know, just providing middle infield depth. If something happens, um, You know, if maybe Orlando Garcia doesn't hit enough to keep a starting spot, there's a couple of guys down in AAA who you know have some major league experience that you can you can call up in a pinch if one of these guys you know doesn't doesn't have the season that we're hoping for. What you, you bring up Arcia.
1: What's what's your takeaway on him? Because I mean, obviously he's a he's, he's a plus defender at the position. He was the organization's top prospect for a while, but you see young guys come up at times and struggle at the plate. I mean, Keon Broxton went up and down four or five times last year. Do you have confidence that he can start this season and be a good enough hitter to be an everyday uh, player, or is it do you do you think it might take a little while for him to really gain traction at the plate?
2: yeah there's w- one thing about RC is a lot of his value is going to be derived from his defense and that was always the the biggest and loudest tool that he had as a prospect coming up he he really had one plus offensive year as a prospect in double a um back a couple of seasons ago but he was only really okay at triple a last year and then obviously struggled at the major league level and you know he's not he's not really somebody that we should ever expect to be you know, posting above average offensive lines, in my opinion, you know, if if he can manage something like a 700 to 730 OPS, something like that on a consistent year in year out basis, you know, maybe a little bit below league average, as long as he's playing that plus defense, that signature defense that we've all, you know, heard so much about and that he showed flashes of last season, he's still going to be able to be productive enough to be you know, probably an above average shortstop. Um, overall, the position is generally not the strongest one offensively. Um, you know, we see guys like Carlos Correa, but that's not necessarily the norm. So um, if Arcia can post decent offensive numbers um, as long as he's providing the value that he should with the glove, then, you know, he's somebody who, who can definitely be a solid starter at the position for several seasons, but I don't think we should ever expect huge things with the bat from him.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned Carlos Correa, and it's almost unfair because it was the year before that Correa gets called up, and he was putting up so-so numbers at AAA when he gets called up, and then he just explodes at the big league level. And then the next year, you've got Arcia. He's the top prospect in the Brewers organization. He's the top middle infield prospect in the Pacific Coast League, the same league that Correa's coming out of. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the exact same thing. And to your point that's probably expecting a little bit too much out of them
2: yeah they're just really not very similar prospects and and a lot of people have said that you know ultimately carlos correa might have to move over to third base and you know that if if orlando arcia ever had to move off a shortstop it would probably significantly hurt his value just cuz he doesn't really have the same offensive ceiling or he or the same power potential as somebody like Correa or somebody like Corey Seager in the Dodgers organization you know those are guys that you know are going to be providing above average offense on a year in year out basis but that's not really something that we should expect from our So his defense is going to have to you know kind of live up to the billing for him to be able to be a, an above average starter at the shortstop position
1: we are talking with uh, Kyle Lesneski. He is the managing editor at uh, Brew Crew Ball. As spring training is underway, they just had their first full squad workout uh, here this past weekend, and they're going to uh, have their first game coming up uh, later on this week. You know, we mentioned behind the plate, and that's a big storyline. But what what are the what are the things that you're really looking at and trying to see what's going to happen, especially very early on in spring training?
2: Um really we we kind of know that the lineup itself is going to be generally set besides the catching position there's not really much composition or competition for the starting spots we kind of have a good idea of who's going to be manning the rest of the the rest of the field around the horn um there is going to be some competition for bench spots Uh, i'm really curious to see if scooter Jeanette is able to adjust and you know maybe pick up some left field or pick up a little bit of third base but you know, I have a little bit of a difficult time seeing his arm playing at either one of those positions, but, you know, I I guess we'll see him give it the benefit of the doubt and at least let him try, um, before I write him off, you know, but, um, I think that the most interesting thing is going to see how the pitching staff shakes out. Um, you know, the Brewers have a lot of competition for the starting rotation, uh, seven guys for five spots. You know, we, we can pretty much count on junior Guerra and, Zach Davies getting, getting in the opening day rotation and Jimmy Nelson looks like a pretty strong candidate as well. But those last two spots between Willie Peralta, Tommy Malone, Matt Garza and Chase Anderson, it's kind of a toss up and we'll see, you know, how everybody's health situation works out in spring training and who comes out throwing the ball the best. But, you know, somebody might end up in the bullpen. Somebody might end up in the minor leagues. Like it's, it's really kind of up in the air. Um, and then there should be a pretty good amount of competition in the bullpen as well. Um, I'm curious to see how somebody like Java Chamberlain will do on a minor league deal that would pay him a pretty solid major league salary. So you got to wonder, you know, maybe the Brewers see something there, think that he's got a good chance to make the team, but just weren't willing to commit a 40-man roster spot to him at that time. Um, I want to see uh, how Jacob Barnes comes out and throws the ball this spring. He's somebody who I think showed... Uh, really well down the stretch last season. Um, and then, of course, Neftali Feliz, the Brewer's biggest uh, acquisition of the winter, or one of the biggest acquisitions of the winter, I should say. Um, can he come in and secure the closing spot? He's probably going to get you know, a pretty good leash there, given that, uh, given that he signed a pretty significant deal this winter. So just kind of curious to see how that all shakes out, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest storyline to follow during the course of the spring
1: last thing for you and I agree that pretty much every position is is you have an idea of who's going to be there but when you start to really break it down position by position there's a lot of small sample sizes there's a lot of guys on second opportunities you know, Keon Broxton center field really only did his thing in the final month of last season Domingo Santana had a hard time staying healthy uh, Eric, uh, Eric Thames hasn't been in the big leagues for a while he was in Korea Travis Shaw last year first season full season uh, in the big leagues and he kind of sputtered down the stretch we We've already talked about uh, Arcia. If all those guys work out the way the brewers think they might work out, it could turn into a really good year. But if those small sample sizes turn into uh, a a place where – Maybe they're, they don't completely indicate the kind of results you're going to get from them this year. That could be a problem. How do you, Everything that I just said, this is a long question, everything I just said, how do you kind of evaluate the fact that so many guys are being counted on who really don't have the proven Major League track record?
2: Well, I mean, going into this season, there's not really expectations like there were in, say, 2015 when the team was coming off the really great start the previous season, but then they sputtered down the stretch and, you know, it was, well, this guy showed this and this sample size. And if everybody can do this, then, you know, maybe we could have a run at the playoffs. This almost feels like kind of a similar makeup to the roster. Like, you know, we've got a lot of guys who've shown well in smaller sample sizes. We've got some former top prospects who have, shown the potential and can they do it over a full season? We've got, you know, former all-stars like Ryan Braun. Can he continue his, can he continue his play? Can Matt Garza bounce back and, you know, be the guy that was, that can earn the twelve and a half million million, $12 that he's making this season. You know, I mean, it's, it almost feels like if everything goes right, this team could be pretty good, just like it did in 2014, but we're not, coming off of the disappointment of the previous season we're expecting the team not to do well but hoping that hey if if this all goes right hey maybe we could be in it in august and early september and kind of see how it goes you know
1: kyle you guys have a great website there at uh brew crew ball it's part of the uh sp nation network uh, what can folks uh, expect and what do you guys have coming up when uh, people go check out the website
2: um, we're probably going to start a position-by-position position kind of breakdown of what to expect uh, going through spring training here. Um, just kind of keeping up with any of the news transactions, uh, roster moves, any of that kind of stuff. Um, any any breaking news with the team, you know, you can expect to find pretty good coverage and analysis over on Brew Crew Ball, and I would hope that you all come and, you know, check out the site.
1: Kyle, thanks so much for uh, taking some time, and uh, we're going to hopefully make you a a regular contributor here on the uh, social media roundtable. So appreciate you being part of it here uh, in one of our first few episodes.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for reaching out. <music>
0: The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: We do roll on with uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And as we go down on the farm, we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program for the first time. He is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats set to be uh, the first season as the High A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. That is uh, Greg Young. Greg, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, Matt. How are you? I'm
1: doing all right. Uh, it's is there, a, is there a level of excitement? I mean, from, from our perspective, we look at the Brewers and what they've done with their farm system. And you know, at least from my perspective, I would think that's a that's a great position to be in as a minor league affiliate because so much talent might come through. Is there excitement on your guys' end about uh, being part of the Brewers family now?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's uh, like you said, having the kind of talent that's in the system, you know, has the potential of being here. Uh, you know, that alone is exciting. It, it's also exciting, though, just to kind of start anew. You know, for us, it, it's uh, every year the team changes, obviously. But uh, the, the team that we had last year, it, it struggled a little bit on the field. So we're, we're looking forward to maybe seeing some more wins. Uh, getting to the playoffs, maybe for the first time in a long, long time. So I think our fan base is really excited. We were surprised, you know, when we made the announcement. the The reaction that we got, you know, social media, or phone calls in the office, people stopping by, to you know, to, to say congrats. You know, we're we're, we're long time Brewers fans. You know, we we have family in Milwaukee. we really look forward to it. So it's uh, it's very cool. It was it was really exciting when when the announcement was made, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. You know, there there are some amazing players that could be coming through Carolina and, and we, we can't wait to see it all get going.
1: I've kind of been in the same situation as you were because I, I spent six years broadcasting in Colorado Springs and the first five okay. of my years they were a Rockies affiliate and then the last year that I was there was uh, when they their first year with the Brewers so I was there during that off okay. season as they became a Brewers affiliate and the thing that really struck me was how how engaged and involved the Brewers were in their affiliate and that was at the AAA level. Have you guys have you noticed that as well? That, that there's been a lot of engagement from the major league organization?
3: You know, I think there has. Um, it has really trickled down, maybe to me specifically yet, but certainly at the ballpark. Um, You know, we've already had some of the coaches stop by, to check out the check-out facility a little bit. Obviously, the front office came by a while ago. That was back in September and, and made their visit and, and checked things out and, and, and all of that. But, you know, the, the Brewers are already sort of active in the clubhouse, on the field a little bit, getting some feedback and getting involved in, in, in that regard, like most affiliates would do probably at this point. But uh it, it's been good just to to kind of see things, I guess, uh, you know, start over again. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were going through the same thing with the Braves, uh, as, as they came in, uh, and they were there for the two years, but, uh, it, it feels like the, the, brewers are getting a little bit of a, of an earlier start, I guess. And, and I think that that could only mean good things.
1: So take me through, uh, in terms of five County stadium, is that a, is it a hitter's ballpark, a pitcher's ballpark? What kind of numbers should we be looking for uh, this year?
3: It's pitcher friendly. Um, you know, it, it it's it's interesting because it's it's not an extremely big ballpark to left and right, but center field is huge, and uh, it that's where the ball tends to die. I I'd, honestly, this is this will be my third year with the team, and I have yet to see a home run to straightaway center. Not to say that it occurs a lot anywhere, but it, the fact that I haven't seen it at all, even in batting practice, in total honesty, it, it, it blows me away. Sometimes I don't know why, in particular, now, the walls are very tall at our ballpark, and center field are about uh, twenty five, maybe twenty seven feet tall. Um, in in right field corner, it's about nine feet tall, and it's a shorter porch over there. But uh, that's probably you know for a left handed hitter, that's going to be the money spot uh, for a right handed hitter in left field. The wall again is about twenty five, twenty seven feet tall to that side, uh, and it's not that deep, but the ball tends not to carry all that much to the gaps, so it's very very pitcher friendly. Um, the, the field's in great condition. We had the best field in the league last year in the Carolina League, and uh, you know I, I think. The Brewers will, the, the, the players obviously will enjoy it a lot for that reason alone, but I think the Brewers will be happy in that they'll get a good read for the hitters, you know, clearly what their power is really like, and, uh, you know, it will treat them well, too. You know, don't have to worry too much about, you know, guys having issues with, you know, the, the turf and, and all of that. So it drains well. We get a lot of rain in the Carolina League, so that, that's definitely good news. So as far as the, the, the fields are concerned in the league, I, I think it's the best one.
1: I'm looking at a picture of, of the stadium right now. How much room is there behind home plate to the backstop?
3: Uh, I it, it, I don't know the exact footage. It's not a ton of space back there. Uh, balls do tend to come back pretty quick off of the uh, off the little backstop there, uh, especially off the concrete, which is you know right below the padding. Um, I, I've seen many times where wild pitches have come right back to the catcher, and it's kind of deceiving, I think, for guys trying to maybe take home from third when that does occur, but, um, you know, it's, it's not right on top of the catchers. So there's some space, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not like the Coliseum in Oakland, you know, where it could, the ball could roll forever. Uh, but it's probably about the same as most, most places.
1: All right, fair enough. Uh, we're uh, continuing to talk. Very happy to be able to be uh, joined by Greg Young. He is the broadcaster for uh, the Carolina Mudcats, the high-A affiliate of the uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is the time of year, you know, we're, we're a few weeks away from minor league spring training getting, uh, getting started. Have you started to look at maybe, you know, some of the guys who were in Appleton last year, uh, some of the draftees last year who maybe went to short season but may jump over low A this year? and start to look at what guys you're you're kind of internally hoping that you get to have this year?
3: Yeah, a little bit. You know, I mean, as you know, working in minor league baseball, it, during the off offseason, your mind is focused on a lot of stuff other than in the baseball side of it. You know, you're, you're trying to get ready, uh, it, say, for the sales end or what have you. So you kind of get steered in a different direction. But slowly, you know, I'm trying to, to get back to the, the radial mindset of it all, if, if that makes sense. Um, but I will say, though, that uh, our, our uh, director of stadium ops, uh, Cameron Olson, uh, I'm going to give him a little bit of a plug here. He does a great job for us. He's from the Milwaukee area. He's a huge Brewers fan. Matter of fact, he was at uh, uh, the, the Fan Fest uh, just a little while ago. So he keeps me updated. So he's kind of giving me an idea of, uh, of what we what we could expect. He's the one that's kind of gotten me excited again about everything that's going on. So he's, he's every week he, he stops by and says, hey, check out this guy, you know, Corey Ray, this is, this is the guy that, you know, he could be here and this is a guy that, that uh, could do some great stuff, you know? So uh, yeah, to have begun to look a little bit at it, um, you know, I don't know where Ray's going to end up exactly, you know, obviously everything is still kind of up in the air, but uh, I'll tell you what, if we can see guys like him uh, or or Diaz at short or Bickford eventually, I mean, it, it could be a really exciting time. The Carolina League last year was loaded with talent. You know, the Salem Red Sox Baseball America had them as the, the, I think the, the most talented or prospect-heavy team. I think it's how they put it at the beginning of the year, and I, I think that there's a good chance that that could happen for us this year, and uh, it, it, it it could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, last year the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers go to the postseason. They had a spectacular second half of their season and run to the postseason. You mentioned, Ray, Asan Diaz. He's one of the guys I'm most excited about inside the mm-hmm. entire organization. So I think there's got to be a, a ton of excitement for you guys on, on what kind of team the, the Brewers might give you. The other side of it is, uh, the Brewers tend to and, and there's two schools of thought on this in, in, in minor leagues, but it, to me it seems like the Brewers like to place a guy at a level and leave him there for an entire year and sometimes it's yeah. the last half and the first half sometimes it's the full season. but it, how much does, do, do you look forward to that? the fact that you know even at the single A level you might be seeing guys wearing these mud caps mudcats uniforms for for a fairly long period of time.
3: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was thinking just that earlier today. I was in Modesto with the Nuts for a number of years in the California League, and they had been up until this year in affiliate of the Rockies. And you know, uh, having been there in in Colorado Springs when the Rockies were there, uh, their philosophy for the most part with Colorado is that you move a guy, you know, one level at a time, but they're there for an entire year. So say, for example, Nolan Arenado, the third baseman for the Rockies, he was there in Modesto with us for the entire 2011 season. And it was not only, I mean, selfishly, it was great for me because I really got to to see what that kind of talent looks like, you know, every single day. And you really appreciate uh, where that type of player is at, the the amazing things that they can do on the field and seeing it translate at the big league level is, is, is is incredible, but it's, it's great for our fans. And and that's the thing that, or is great for the fans. And that's the thing that I'm looking forward to is, is to find out what the brewers are like Um, for the Braves in particular, and they were with us for the last two years, they moved guys essentially as soon as they thought that the time had come. Say, for example, Dansby Swanson was with us at the beginning of the year last year in April. Our fans knew he was there. They came out in droves early in the season to see him, but he was only there for three weeks, and then he was gone. He was in Double A, and eventually, obviously, he made it up to the big league club and, and had a, a fantastic rookie campaign just for the window that he was there. But it, it, it would have been fantastic for them to be able to see him a little bit longer at our place, at least for the first half. So I'm really looking forward to see what the Brewers do. It's great to hear that they do have that philosophy of leaving guys maybe a little bit longer. I think it's going to be great for for our fans. It will be great for uh, the guys themselves. Honestly, I I think that's the better way to go. It's just a personal opinion of mine. But the longer I think those guys stick together, the more they can develop a bit of a winning mentality together. And the idea, obviously, is for them to come together and get to the big league level eventually at the same time and then succeed. And I think that's a good way to to build a winning product is to, to get it going early keep them together and let it sort of matriculate to the top and and, and grow from there.
1: Last thing for you, the Brewers are one of the few teams out there that don't own any of their full-season uh, clubs, and they're trying to make that change. They've they've had to bounce around a few places uh, in terms of their minor league affiliates. Uh, there's been some rumors, some rumblings out there that maybe uh, the Brewers could come in and take ownership of, uh, of your guys' team. I know you don't know the, the backworking details of it, but just in a world of where you have that affiliation shuffle and things are changing more than you would like it, uh, is there maybe a little bit of internal excitement about if that does work out that you guys can become the, the really the long-term affiliate of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's nice to be wanted, I guess, is maybe one way to look at that. Uh, not to say the teams don't want to be in Carolina. Obviously, they do. Um, but it'd be really nice to be able to have someone that wants to commit long-term they're staying with us and, and and working on the facility and and, and really trying to develop the product on the field in a winning culture uh, here in Carolina. So uh, I I think it would be fantastic. It is very exciting. Uh, there, you know, we read essentially the same thing that the folks in Milwaukee read. Um, obviously, the the information that came out during the, the Fan Fest, um, it, it it was news to us. I think for a lot of us here internally, um, but uh, it's certainly good news. And and we're we're hoping that uh, it it leads to, you know, great things. And and I think it'd be great for this area in particular. You know, baseball is is a big part of, I think, the the sports culture in in North Carolina. And and I think seeing uh, a team invest perhaps in in a club here locally, I I think that only means good things for our our, our ballpark, our our team, and and, and the long term in its future and, and baseball's future here in North Carolina.
1: Well, Greg, really uh, good to get to know you a little bit. Uh, hopefully we can get you on maybe once a month or so, something like that. And uh, before we know it, baseball is going to be played, and uh, everybody here is excited to see uh, the Mudcats become uh, the, the, the high affiliate and really get rolling with the Brewers this year.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to do it again anytime. Just, uh, just give me a call. And we do stream our games, just as a heads-up real quick for, for fans out there on, on the, the, the TV streaming service. So, you know, as the season rolls along, you could obviously listen uh, to the broadcast, but also watch, you know, when we're here at home. And, and there are a few other teams in the league that do the same. So it's it's a good league to track the guys and, and, and see what's coming as far as uh, the Brewers' prospects are concerned. But we're excited, and, and again, thank you very much.
1: Greg Young, the voice of the Carolina Mudcats, the new single-A affiliate, high-A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That's just about going to do it. Here are your key dates for this uh, upcoming week. By the time we're talking to you next week, there's going to be some spring training games in the books as uh, they will open up spring training play. On uh, Friday, February 24th, uh, as they have done for the last few years, the uh, UWM Panthers come down uh, to the Maryville Complex, and uh, they play a game against the big league club, and that's a great way to start out uh, spring training. And then from there, it's Fast and Furious games uh, most every day. So uh, Friday, February 24th against UWM, then they play their first big league game on uh, Saturday the 25th when they take on the Angels. By the way, Uh, WTMJ will have a number of spring training broadcasts available for you. Uh, The first broadcast is going to be on Wednesday, March 1st. Uh, Some other of the early uh, broadcasts will have uh, Saturday, March 4th, Sunday, March uh, 5th, uh, Thursday, March 9th. Uh, Saturday, March 11th, Sunday, March 12th. I can go on from there. But a handful of games will be broadcast uh, from spring training, so you can uh, listen to those on 620 uh, WTMJ. If you want the full schedule, head out to the website and uh, check out WTMJ.com. But that is it for uh, this week's show. I appreciate uh, our guest today. As uh, we were able to get uh, Kyle Lesneski on from uh, from uh, one of the better uh, blogs out there, a lot of blogs are just incredible. But uh, Brew Crew Brawl, uh, they do a they do a spectacular job uh, there. So check out the website, and we appreciate Kyle coming on. And uh, we also uh, very much appreciate being able to have on the program Greg Young, the broadcaster of the uh, Carolina Mudcats, as we went down on the farm. And we're gonna try to have the broadcasters from all the affiliates on now uh, fairly often and uh, we'll have another one on coming up uh, next week. Look forward to talking to you again next week. You have been listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.